This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, ladies, uh, we are discussing happiness. Oh, how to be happy? How do you get happy? Oh, and who is the master of happiness? Who can you think of? Who is the master of happiness in the Torah? It's amazing. Yes, who is the happiest person around? David Melech. Definitely happy. What else? Who else? Who is the master of happiness? Even this. Huh? Yitzhak Avinu was happy, we talked about, because he was, uh, <coughs> he had to be the sacrifice, he was, he was, that was his name, Yitzhak, Tzchok. Who else was happy? Really happy person. Nachumish Gamzu, Eb Gamzu everything is always for the good. And, but I don't know, I, my vote would go to Rabbi Akiva. Because uh, the Talmud gives a lot of stories, trying to find the stories, uh, Rabbi Akiva, he was always a happy person. Before we get to Rabbi Kiva, let's go to his rabbis. And there's a, there's a beautiful Mishnah we did yesterday in Pirkei Avot, in chapter 2, Mishnah 9. And over there, we talk about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Who is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai? Okay, so we are talking about happy people. We talked about Yitzhak Avinu, was a happy person. His name was Yitzhak. David Amelech was happy. He wrote Psalms uh, in a very happy way. Hopefully, he was happy. And we talked about Nachomish Gamzu, Gamzu Latov, everything is for the best. And uh, my vote goes to Rabbi Akiva. I'm going to talk to you about Rabbi Akiva. But before we go to Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, let's go to his rabbis. Who were Rabbi Akiva's rabbis? So it all starts off with Hillel. Who was Hillel? So the rabbis tell us Hillel came from Babylon. Hillel was, he made Aliyah, he made, came from Babylon. He came to Israel to learn by the feet of the two great rabbis, Shemaya and Aftalion, uh, who were the rabbis at that time. And he sat over there, he learned with them. It says he would earn a certain amount. Half the money he earned would go to his tuition to go into the yeshiva. The other half he used for supporting his family. Imagine, imagine, 50% of his income went to enter the yeshiva. In those days, it's hard tuition. He's going to the yeshiva. And one day he never had any money, and we all know the story, he stayed on the skylight, and it was snowing, and he froze on a Shabbat, it was a Shabbat, he froze over there, and they break Shabbat for him, they take him down, they put him by the fire, they said, for, for this kind of person, it's fantastic to break Shabbat for this kind of person. They broke Shabbat for him. That's Rabbi Akiva, uh, Rabbi, sorry, Hillel. Hillel had 80 students. Hillel had 80 students. Hillel, the great Hillel had 80 students, the greatest of whom was Rav Yonatan ben Uziel. Rav Yonatan ben Uziel. He is buried in a place called Amuka, which a lot of people go to find a shidduch. They, they go to Rabbi Yochanan ben Uziel, Yonatan ben Uziel, who is buried in Amuka. Amuka. Amuka is in the Galilee. It's in the Galilee. It's a place called Amuka. Why is it Amuka? Because it's, it's a very deep valley. Amok, from the word Amok. If you go there, and it's interesting because someone just built a road there. A very rich, obviously, American guy. Um, because there was never a proper road to Amuka. He had to go around, around this path. It was a gravelly path, very dangerous to drive there. And he said, told the government, why do you build the road? He said, we can't afford it. Okay, I'll donate. He donated the road. Amazing. It's a beautiful road, brand new road. And people go there all times, the day and night. But there's no electricity at night. There's no electricity over there. It's strange. They didn't put electricity over there. So at night, you've got to go with the generator. You've got to bring your own generator, your flashlights. I've been there the night a few times. Uh, with the yeshiva, they brought a generator. And people go there to pray for their shidduch. It's a very... But Yonatan Ben-Azir, Ben-Azir was the highest student of Hillel. The greatest student of the 80 students of Hillel. He was the greatest student. It says when he learned Torah, there was a fire going up around him. There was fire around him. Uh, it's a very interesting 
Agadita in the Gemara. It's a very good question. So I've heard different explanations. But there's no truth. This is just a tradition. Tradition. Tradition, tradition. Then it works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes people meet over there. That's on the bus going there. And that's, I've heard a story that the people met on the bus going there. It's an amazing story. <coughs> Yonatan ben Uziel. Uziel. Oziv Zimratia. My strength. Uziel. Strength. My strength comes from God. Uziel. Thank you. Yonatan ben Uziel. The, th- the, st- the, the greatest of the 80 students of Hillel. And who is the smallest student of Hillel? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Yochanan ben Zakkai was the smallest student of Hillel, and he became the chief rabbi. All the students, who's, he's the smallest student of Hillel. I'm not saying that, I'm not inventing this. This is uh, written down. I wouldn't say it otherwise. He was the smallest student of Hillel, and he, from him comes our Masora, from the smallest student of Hillel. Comes the Masora, he's the chief rabbi at the time of the destruction of the temple. Second temple was destroyed. He was the chief rabbi in Yerushalayim, and he negotiates with Vespasian at that time. Vespasian was uh, heading the siege, heading the army, the Roman army, and we know the story. We're going to talk about it later on. So anyway, so Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka had five students, and that's where we catch up in Pirkei Avot. Pirkei Avot, so we have to understand, it was Hillel, Yochanan ben Zaka was the smallest student of the 80 students of Hillel, and now we come to Pirkei Avot, chapter 2, uh, Mishnah 9, and here the, tele, uh, the Mishnah tells us Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka had five students. Hillel had 80 students. Wow. Hillel had 80 students. Yochanan ben Zaka has five students. Who are his five students? Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkunus, which uh, is a whole story by itself. Eliezer ben Hurkunus. Hurkunus was a very, very wealthy individual. And Eliezer, his son, he says, was 27 years old and he wants to leave to go to Yeshiva. He tells his father, I want to go to Yeshiva, I want to go to Yeshiva. His father says, You're old, you're an old man. 27, get married, have kids, and maybe your children will go to yeshiva. You don't have to go to yeshiva, have kids, and then your child will go to yeshiva. You're too old already. He says he ran away, he left his father, and his father cut him off. I've heard the story before. And he was destitute, but he went and learned with Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai. He never had any food to eat. And one day his, he was starving, and his mouth was smelling and stinking. He never ate. And uh, Rabbi Yochan Zakai asked, whoever has this bad smell, please, this odor, please leave. So another student got up and walked out, so as not to shame him. Amazing story. And then they found out, and uh, someone started supporting him. They started supporting him to give him food to... Rabbi Yezer ben Hurkunus. He was Rabbi Yezer ben Hurkunus. And there's a section called Pirkei de Rabbi Yezer. A very, very famous section of Tosefta called Pirkei de Rabbi Yezer. The chapters of Rabbi Yezer, very interesting. He brings down his story over there. The second student was Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hanania, and he was his chavruta, Rabbi Yehoshua's chavruta, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hanania, and these two became the great teachers of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hanania, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hurkunus were the teachers of Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yossi Kohen, Rabbi Yossi the Kohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Netanel, and Rabbi Lazar the son of Arach. And in the Mishnah it says, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Zakkai would tell us their praises. He would praise his five students. Each one would have a different praise for each, each student. Which is very interesting when you have a student to praise the student to build up their self-confidence, build up their self-esteem. So he would praise their student, his students. Rabbi Yezeb ben Hurkunus is like a cemented cistern. He doesn't lose a drop. You tell him something, he remembers it. Routine. His memory is amazing. Doesn't lose a drop of whatever he learned, he keeps in his mind. This is Rabbi Eliezer uh, ben Hurkunus, who is the rich man's son who ran away. 
He remembered everything he learned. And uh, he never forgot anything he learned. Amazing. Rabbi Shua ben Hanania, he says, Fortunate is the woman who gave birth to him. He praised the mother of Rabbi Shua ben Hanania more than the rabbi. So he's praising his students, but he's not praising the students, he's praising the student's mother. What did she do? Tell me that all the rabbi say, you know what she did? She gave birth. She gave she, birth no, then. no, as well. And they, she get, everyone had a mother. Why? How come they, he singled out his mother more than the other mothers? It says because when he was a baby, she would push his carriage to the bed of midrash. And he was, she was pushing him to oh. learn. In other words, right. even when a child, a baby right. is a baby, and a, a child, something filters through. It's very interesting. He went. He attended when he was a baby. He was learning even when he was young. He was filtering through the subconscious. He's hearing these arguments and he's learning. When he's a, it's an amazing concept. The concept of even pre uh, pre kindergarten nursery already. He's going to yeshiva and nursery. He's getting some kind of intellectual uh, something going into it. So it's an interesting concept. Even before that, even when a woman's pregnant and she goes, a baby is there's something going on. Something going on. The baby is learning at the same time. So that's why he praised the mother, Rabbi Shua ben Hanan. It says she would take his carriage and push him into the bed midrash at that time, even when he was a baby. So fortunate is she who gave birth to him. Wow. He was, Rabbi Shua ben Hanan, he used to make charcoal. And he was very poor. And yet he was one of the geniuses of Israel. He was a brilliant man. He became one of the chief rabbis of Israel. Rabbi Yossi Akohen, he says he is Hasid. He was one of the original Hasidim, pious ones. He was pious. What does pious mean? Misled Yisharim says pious means he goes beyond the requirements of the law. That's a pious person. A person, pious person. So halacha is this. The guy says, I'm going to do a bit more. Halacha is you keep six hours between meat and milk. Pious person will keep eight hours. I don't know. Just give an example. You don't have to, but that's piety. Piety is going beyond the requirements of the law. Uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Netanel, he says, Yerechet. Wow. Wow. He fears sin. So, uh, obviously, I don't know how he, the other ones didn't fear sin. <laughs> so he, he speci- specifies he fears sin. He's Yerechet, which is a very high title. And Rabbi Elazar ben Arach is like an ever-increasing wellspring. What does that mean? That means you feed him some information, and he by himself can expand on it by himself. Wow, it's amazing. He can expand on himself. So we, we see over here that there's a toss-up now between who is the greatest of the students. Is it Rabbi Yezer ben Hurkanus, who does not forget anything he learns? Or is it Rabbi Lazar ben Arach, who whatever he knows, he can add to it? So that's the question now, who is greater? So there's two opinions in the Mishnah, very interesting. There's two opinions in the Mishnah, and then we're going to discuss why is what. Rabbi Yochanan used to say, if all the sages of Israel were in one balanced scale, and Eliezer, the son of Hurkanus, was on the other scale, he would outweigh them all. He was the greatest of all my students. He would outweigh all the other rabbis put together. Wow, what a, what a praise. However, there's another opinion. Abba Shaul says, of all the sages of Israel were in one cup of balanced scale, including Eliezer ben Hurkanus. Elazar, the son of Arach, would outweigh them all. So there's a debate over here. Who was his top student? Was Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus who wouldn't, wouldn't forget anything? Or was Rabbi Elazar ben, uh, ben Arach who would add to what he learned? Very interesting, right? So Rabbi Yosef says there's two kinds of rabbis. There is what's called Sinai, and there is Oker Harim. Sinai is the person who knows everything. He knows all the sources, all the source material, and doesn't forget. And that is really similar to Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus. And then you have Oker Harim. Oker Harim means a rabbi doesn't know that much, but what he knows, he can add to it. 
he can learn it out with logic and his reasoning yes. ability is amazing. So it's two different kinds of rabbis. One, he knows a lot. And the other one doesn't know much, but whatever he knows, he can add to it. But you need both. You need both. You need a person who knows. The one who knows a lot has to know how to give it out to other people. Okay, fine. So say, but if he doesn't know it, he can't give it. Right. So he, the main thing is to know. And in those days, especially, nothing was written down. So nothing written down. So, so, and we see the end of the story is, Rabbi ben Arach moves to the seaside. He moved to a place, and he thought the other rabbis would follow him. He's the greatest. He's, he's the greatest. And no one followed him. He moved. He was disconnected from the others, and he started forgetting what he learned. He could add to whatever you get, what you told him, but he couldn't remember what he learned. So he started forgetting, and that's it. That's the end of that. Was the end of him. We don't hear much about him. Why did he move? Why did he move? I don't know. Maybe like the the seaside. I don't know. Doesn't say. He moved, but he thought they're gonna they're gonna follow him. <coughs> he thought they're gonna follow him, but no one followed him. Which is interesting. So it just shows that a person should always yeah, stay immersed. Don't move off and live in a place which is not, uh, there's no Jews. A person says, yeah, don't worry, everyone's going to follow me. Who says they're going to follow me? We need other people. We need friends. We need people to learn with. We need uh, a framework. We need, okay. So now, okay, now we come to the beautiful mission over here. He tells his five students, and everyone, this is a very famous mission. I'm sure you know it. This is in chapter 2 of Perkei Avot, Mishnah 10. Go and see what is the best trait for a person to acquire. What is the best trait there is? Rabbi Eliezer says, Ayin tova, a good eye. The question is, what is a good eye? A good eye is an eye of generosity. Right? It says, the halakha, it says, who breaks the bread? So can the balabite, the owner of the house, so has a great rabbi coming to visit him, can he say, Rabbi, please do the hamotzi and break the bread for us. And the answer, no, the halacha is the balabite breaks the bread. The balabite, the owner of the house, breaks the bread. He knows how much bread he has. He knows how much to give to everyone. He knows how much he has. Someone else doesn't know, and therefore he might give him a miserly amount. The balabite knows how much he can give, and he, brings, he bakes big, big, uh, big slices. That's a good eye. It's a balabite, botsea. He's going to do it with a good eye. So what is a good eye? A good eye is an eye of generosity. A good eye is someone who sees someone bought a new car and says, God bless him. So hard to have a good eye. So a person sees a beautiful house, you got a deal, you see this beautiful house, you say, Hashem should bless them with more, more wealth. Most people, they go, and they say, well, I want a big house. Well, <laughs> I wish I had a house like that. You know, that's, uh, that's jealousy. That's coveting. That's, uh, as long as you, well, you don't, it's not really je- coveting as long as you don't say, I want that house. That house, that is coveting. You say, I want a house like that, it's not as bad. But it's still, it's not a good eye. A good eye is, they should increase, they should expand, they should bless. So it's not coveting if you don't want that exact... Right, exactly. Coveting is when you want that exact. That helps. You can say, when you buy that car, I want to buy a car like it. You can't say, I want that one. <laughs> and the problem is with antiques, really, or locations. You want to buy that house because it's like a location. I like that location. I want to buy that location. That's a problem. We're going to see that in our next Tanakh class, next uh, Shabbat, 6 o'clock. We're going to talk about Ahab and Navoth. Navot in the vineyard. He wanted his vineyard. He was the king of Israel. He wanted that vineyard. Get your own vineyard. Go plant your own vineyard. Well, you know, I want that vineyard. That's that's where that's that really. That was the one of the final blows that uh, destroyed Ahab. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I heard the 
Yeah. You put your eye in. You put your eye in. Very good. So oneg and neger have the same. Yes, oneg is be- is uh, pleasure, and neger is leprosy. So it depends where the eye in is. It depends. So a person jealous is more likely to inculcate the neger. Okay. So anyway, so a good eye. What is a good eye? That's something which we have to inculcate. It's so hard to have a good eye. You see someone doing well, you bless them. You see someone buying a nice house, you bless them. You, someone has a new car, you bless them. That's a good eye. Since the Chavetz Chaim, famous story, he made a party. He never made parties. So why are you making a party? He says, because someone in the next town won the lottery. Yeah. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for other people. To be happy for other people, that's, that's a very big thing. To be happy for other people, that's a good eye. Rabbi Yeshua says, the best trait is to have a good friend. Chaver Tov. And how do you get a good friend? To be a good friend. Right. You have to acquire a friend. How do you acquire a friend? You have to invest in friendship. So it's not easy to get a friend. A person says, yeah, I don't have any good friends because you didn't invest in friendship. A person got to invest in friendship. You've got to be a friend and help. And when they need help, you've got to help them. And then hopefully they'll help you as well when you need help. That's a good friend. You have to invest in it. It's hard. It's hard. That's why a person's best friend should be one spouse because it's where we're investing ourselves. We're investing ourselves in our spouses, hopefully. So, a good eye is number one. Number two is a good friend. Number three, Rabbi Yossi says, he said, more important than a good friend is who your neighbor is. Because your friends, you see once in a while, but your neighbor's right there. It's a good neighbor, Shachen Tov. And we pray every morning, right? Just keep us away from Chaver Ra, Shachen Ra. Keep us away from bad friend and a bad neighbor. We're going to see the opposites. But the very good one is a good neighbor. It's very hard today, but as long as you live in a detached house, it's not a problem. <laughs> Your neighbor's not going to bother you. You have a bad neighbor with a bad dog, and you have someone who makes a loud noise at night. Nothing, nothing worse than a bad neighbor. So I had a bad neighbor once when I was in Vancouver. We used to live in a duplex. And the other guy was just opposites. Opposites. They were singles, I think. They were singles, having parties all night. And one day my cousin came to visit, and he couldn't take the noise anymore. He called the police. So, because uh, the walls are like thin, you know, so, so he hears the police coming and they're knocking on the door. So, you know, the neighbors are complaining about your noise. Can you stop, slow down? He said, well, they wake us up early in the morning. The kids are running around. <laughs> <I'll stick with> <laughs> okay. So that's a bad neighbor. You know, they're not ready to negotiate and come right. to terms and make everyone happy. No, their party's at night. We're up in the day. They're up at night. Uh, they complain about us. We complain about it. Okay. So bad neighbor. A bad neighbor is worse because they have bad influences. That's, that's the worst part of it. Okay, so that bad friend. The best thing is a good friend. The next thing is a good neighbor. Rishimon says <coughs> to see what comes out of your actions. Very deep. Rishimon says a person should examine and see if I do this, what's going to happen? What's, what's it going to cause? What is going to be the next step in the chain? Now, most people do things, but they don't really think it through. So he says, a person should think through everything they do and think, where is this going to lead me? I'm going to do this. Where is it going to lead me? It's not just where it's going to lead me. Where is it going to lead my kids? Where is it going to lead the next generation? A person moves, for example. Moves to a certain location. Where is it going to lead my children? Right? So I'll tell you, what impressed me was my father. He says, when he bought a house, it has to be next to the shul. A person buys far away from the shul, they drive on Shabbat. What's going to, where's the children going to go? What's going to happen to the children? What, are they, what, are they, what messages are they going to learn? So it's very important to, to live near the shul. You're walking distance, uh, a good neighborhood. It has a big impact on one's kids. So a person's got to know where their deeds are going to lead. It's very important to think things through. People don't think. That's why there's so many singles today. 
You know, I never saw my grand grandmother, my grandfather, on one side because my parents got married late. So it's it's tragic. So the children don't see. So it's uh, a person got to think things through and and you know, get moving. Life is short. But there's many different applications to this rule. <clears throat> the person got to see the results of one's actions. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. The person got to be far sighted. What else is a good good thing? He says. Rabbi Laza says. This is Rabbi Laza ben Arach. A good heart. Lev tov. Well, how, how do you define a lev tov? And the answer is, if you say the heart is the seat of everything, and the and the, this, it controls everything else. The mind is the heart. The heart. If the mind is good, it controls everything else. So then, a person will have a good eye. A person will have think things through. So a good heart, and that's the the bottom line. That's Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says. I see Rabbi Laza's opinion as that is the right one. So Rabbi Laza is the right one. He says. I prefer the words of Allah ben Arach for all your words. A good heart. A person wants to be happy. How are you going to be happy if you don't have a good heart? A person always thinking bad thoughts about this one, bad thoughts about that one. That's really how a person knows if they have a good heart. Are you thinking bad thoughts? How many people think bad thoughts about other people? They don't, they don't say it. They're thinking bad thoughts. How many people think bad thoughts about their spouse? Bar Terrible. It's terrible. And a person's got to do teshuva from the bad thoughts as well. So you've got to do teshuva from bad thoughts. Um, and that's an evil heart. That's a bad heart. A person's got to know what the good heart. What is a good heart? Always thinking good thoughts about people. Thinking this one's a person. This, you know, judging people favorably. That's a good thoughts. Having good thoughts about people. Not being jealous about people. Not coveting what they have. That's also thoughts. All thoughts. So a good heart covers everything. A person has to have a good heart. How do you have a good heart? It takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of training to have a good heart. Okay. So now let's just go back and just explain a little bit more. He used to recount their praises. Rabbi Ezra is a cemented cistern. He doesn't lose a drop. He doesn't forget any detail of his learning. Rabbi Yeshua blessed as his mother. He was a very fine person. His midot either came from his mother. That's one of the opinions over here. Or she would bring him to the Beit Midrash at a very young age so he would acquire the habit of learning. Rabbi Yossi is a chassid, a pious person. Rabbi Shimon is fearful of sin. Rabbi Laza is like a spring with ever-increasing vigor. And then we had a discussion. Who was greater, Rabbi Laza, Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yezer, who didn't forget a drop of his learning. Rabbi Laza was like a vigorous spin, uh, spring, always has brilliant ideas. Um, and then he says, he asks the question, who, what is the best habit a person should adopt in his life? Rabbi Yezer has a good eye, which a person should be happy with, different ways of explaining it, a good eye. Person should be generous. The eye of generosity always judging people favorably. Um, a person should be happy with his lot and wish well to others, which is the kind of happiness our, our topic, right? How do you get happy? And the answer is you wish other people well. When you wish other people well, you yourself will be happy as well. You wish always looking at other people and saying, "I wish I had this," and "I wish that," you never be happy. So, a person wishes other people well is satisfied with what they have. We talked about that's the secret of happiness. So, good eyes is very critical. And uh, Rabbi Yeshua says, a good friend. You, you be a good friend to others, they'll be a good friend to you. Rabbi Yossi says, a good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon says, an ability to foresee the future. And Rabbi Lausa says, a person should have a good heart, which is a good mind. And Rabbi Yochanan says, I approve of his choice. <coughs> Last choice. Rabbi Lausa's choice. Rabbi Lausa ben Arach, who is like a vigorous spring. His choice, the good heart, includes everything else. Okay. So the question is, what does it mean? 
And that's the question. What is a bean? And then the next Mishnah goes through the, the bad side of everything. What is the bad side? What is the opposite? The bad of everything. And it goes through. I'm not going to go through it now. Um, which it really leads us to next week's parasha of All these answers really are, are leading to this conclusion of So all these uh, attributes have a basis in the Torah. The person's going to find, where do we get, where's the source? Now he asks, he's asking his students, what is the best trait? So here I have a beautiful Torah, it's a beautiful Torah. Now where in the Torah does the word Tov come? He's asking, what is the Derech Tova? What is the right way, the best way, the good way for a person to, to choose in life? So where is the first time it says the word Tov? So, you know, there's an interesting concept. Whenever you want to know what a word means in Hebrew, look at the first time it's used in the Torah. When it was good. It was Bereshit. Bereshit. It was Bereshit, of course, yeah. So an important attribute is to have, has to have a basis in the Torah. Where is this attribute in the Torah? So they looked at Bereshit, looked for the word good, and after the first 31 words, they found it. In verse 4 it says, Hashem saw the light and saw it was good. And Hashem divided between the light and between the darkness. So Abeliezer says, God saw it was good. God saw good. The Ein Tova. God saw it was good, which means Ein Tova. Hashem saw the sight is good. The sight is good. So a person has to have a good eye. That's Rebeleza. Beautiful. Second disciple of Yeshua saw, he says, light and darkness were interwoven. They're interwoven. Living side by side. And that was good. So he replies, a good friend. Because you have light and dark, and it was good. So you need a good friend. So light has a good friend called darkness. Why is darkness good? Because why is it a good friend of light? Because without the darkness, you wouldn't appreciate the light. So the good friends complements each other. The good friend complements uh, one, one, one another. So that's Rabbi Yisrael. said it was good, which means a good friend. Uh, Rabbi said a good eye. Hashem saw it was good. Rabbi Shua saw darkness and light. He said a good friend. Rabbi Yossi also saw light and darkness were interwoven, but he saw them as neighbors, not friends. So he says a good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon saw Hashem divided between the light and the darkness. Hashem separated. So, uh, so he says, listen, division must be good, or even for better, he says. If you understand that the, the light and darkness were neither friends nor neighbors, they were adversaries. And how can it be good? And the answer is that if you have to see the results, and it doesn't look good at the first stage, but you have to look at the results of the deeds. Because right now, dark, light and darkness is not good. When Hashem separated them, and Hashem gives them a specific task, it became good. And therefore, he says, you've got to see the results of what does. Amazing, amazing idea. So right now, it's not good. But the result of it is going to be good. And therefore, he says, the person should see the result of the consequences of their deeds. Brilliant. So, Rabbi Lazar, where does he say good heart? Where does he find a good heart? So, he says, he counted the words, and he found that good, the word good is number 32. 32 is the gematria of the word lev, heart. So, the word, if the word good is number 32, and number 32 is lev, must be a good heart. Hashem is alluding that it should be a good, person should have a good heart. Beautiful idea. So, he says, a person should have a good heart. Beautiful. Isn't that good? Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. So now we can tie this into Sefirat Omer as well. How do you tie it to Sefirat Omer? 
because it says the the uh, the students of Rabbi Kiva they died for how long? Thirty third year the day they stopped dying. That's why we're happy on the thirty third day. Very few people died on the thirty third day. That's why we're happy. So thirty two days they they died, which is live. Why they died for 32 days? And the answer is because they did not have good hearts. <coughs> so as they may treat each other well on the outside, but internally, and they were judged on a very high level, obviously, we're not going to be judged like that. But Hashem really does look at the heart. We have to worry about what we're thinking. Hashem knows our thoughts. A person has bad thoughts about people and jealous thoughts about people. Hashem doesn't like that. And that's what David Amenach says in Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Anyone know what Psalm 24 is? Uh, Psalm 24, Mi Ale Hashem, who will climb the mountain of God? David Amar says, Leki Kapayim or Levav, a person with clean hands and a pure heart. So we see a good heart. A pure heart means he doesn't want to do bad to anyone. So a pure heart is very critical, and that is really a secret of happiness. The secret of happiness is a person can't be happy if they have evil inside, if they have a bad heart, if they're thinking bad thoughts all the time. A person can't be happy. So a person is going to try and fix that inside, be happy with themselves, be happy with other people, not worrying about other people, not getting other people get under their skin, not thinking bad thoughts about other people, thinking good things about other people, and you'll find that the happiness will come. That's, that's very important. Very important. And now we come to the students of Rabbi Elias and Rabbi Yeshua, who is Rabbi Kiva. So why do I think that Rabbi Kiva is one of the happiest people around? And the answer is because Whenever everyone else was crying, he was laughing. He was a contrarian. Everyone else is crying, he's laughing. Very amazing. Oh, where did he get that trait from? What's amazing, amazing. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm going to give you all the stories. There's so many stories about Rabbi Kiva and the Talmud. But let's start off with a very famous story. It says they go... Oh, here we are. Very good. But they had other students as well, no? Who? The other rabbis. Yeah, of course, of course. But I single out Rabbi Kiva because of the stories. We're going to see these stories. Rabbi Kiva is the happiest. Let's see. So number one, the, the, the Talmud starts off with, he always had questions from the procurator of Rome. The procurator of Judea was a guy called Turnus Rufus. Turnus Rufus was a very nasty procurator who killed some of the great uh, rabbis. We're going to see the ten great rabbis were killed by him, including Rabbi Kiva, who was eventually killed by him. And uh, he always tried to ask questions about Judaism and try and knock Judaism. So one day he comes to Rabbi Kiva. He says, Akiva, he says, tell me, are the, what's greater, the handiworks of God or the handiworks of man? So Rabbi Kiva is very smart. He knows what he's trying to get at. He said, the handiworks of man. He said, What? Handiworks of man are great. The handiworks of God. Look, God created the heaven, created the earth. How compare handiworks of man? So listen, let's bring it down to man's level and see what Hashem does and see what man does. He brought him some uh, grain and he brought him some bread. He said, "Listen, handiwork of, of God is the grain. Handiwork of man is the bread. What's better? See, the handiwork of man is better." So straight away, Surah Rufus says, "This is his main question. He says, why do you do brit milah?" In other words, if the handiwork of God is good, why are you? You're going you're to come along and improve on it? Amal Rabbi Kiva says, I knew exactly where you were going. And that's why I said the handiwork of man is better. That's exactly what I said. 
So I'm going to give you a proof. Why did? What are you going to do? Hashem creates a person. He, he's born with the umbilical cord attached. What would happen if he didn't cut it? So you see, the handiwork of man, Hashem gives us the, the, the mechanism by which we can improve on his work. Hashem wants us to improve his work. So that was Rabbi Kiva's answer. It continued. Um, was asked, Rabbi Kiva, if Hashem loves poor people, why doesn't he give them money? So Rabbi Kiva says, in order that we should be saved from Gehinam by, by giving them money. We, through the merit of the Staka, we're saved from Gehinam. So, okay. Now we come to the famous story. Uh, Rabbi Kiva was walking down the street, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Elazar, Ben Azaria, and Rabbi Yeshua, all these four rabbis great, walking down the street, and they heard a terrible noise. They're going to Rome, and they heard the sounds of Rome from far away. Can you imagine this metropolis, this massive metropolis, Rome in those days, and they're going to seek an audience with the Caesar, try and uh, revoke some of the decrees against the Jewish people, and they come, and they, far away, they can already hear the, the, the sounds of this great metropolis, and four of the rabbis started crying. And Rabbi Kiva was laughing. Amrullah, they said to him, why are you laughing? Amale, why are you crying? And they said, because look, these guys who bow down to idols and they bring incense to idolatry, they're sitting in some comfort and they're sitting in this lavish uh, uh, town. And we, our house of God is burnt and our city is destroyed. We're well, not going to cry. The idolaters are enjoying life and we are just, uh, in, sitting in destruction. We're not going to cry. He said, that's why I'm laughing. If those who transgress God's will are having such a great time, those who are doing God's will will eventually get much more. So look at, look at his attitude to life. If those who are transgressing God's will are being successful, so successful, they're living in luxury, and they're having such a great time, how much more so God will give us in the future? So that's why I'm laughing. He's a contrarian. Imagine, even though things were destroyed, he's looking at the bright side of things. Okay, that's, that's the first story. So now he's a happy person. Why is he laughing? Everyone else is crying. He's laughing. Number two. They were going to Yerushalayim, this is after the destruction. And they get to Harat Sofim, which is Mount Scopus. Today, what's there? Hebrew University, Harat Sofim. Hadassah, Hadassah Hospital, part of a, one branch on Harat Sofim. When they got to Harat Sofim, they ripped their clothes. They saw the destruction, they ripped their clothes. When they get to the Temple Mount, they saw a fox coming out from where the Holy of Holies used to be. So straight away they all started crying. And Rabbi Akiva is laughing. That's why I say he's the happiest person around. He's always happy. <laughs> Biggest destruction, he's laughing. Away. They said, Akiva, why are you laughing? He said, why are you crying? He says, because the place where the Torah says, the person who goes in there, who is not a Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, is going to die. And now look at the foxes going in. We're not going to cry. And that's, he said, that's why I'm laughing. Why? Because there's two prophecies. There's a prophecy of uh, Uriah, which is in uh, the book of Micha, where Uriah predicts destruction. And then there's a prophecy of Zechariah, who predicts that eventually, he says, this, uh, this is one of my beautiful... Eventually, the, the elders, the old men and the old women will be sitting in the, in the, in the, in the, in the town squares of Yerushalayim. So uh, he says, until the first prophecy came true, we couldn't look forward to the second one. 
But now that the first prophecy has come true, I am already looking forward to the second prophecy. So I see the destruction. One prophecy came true. The prophecy of destruction came true. I'm now looking forward to the second prophecy of rebuilding, which we're seeing today. We're, we're lucky. Uh, you go to Yushalayim, you see the children playing in the streets, the old people sitting on the side. Amazing. It's amazing. This prophecy came true. After 2,000 years, it took a long time. We're, we're the lucky generation. We really are. So now that the prophecy is, we, I'm seeing this prophecy is going to come true. So I'm comforted that the destruction happened already. So what happens, they tell Akiva, Akiva, Nihamtanu, you have comforted us. We like your point of view. We like your happy point of view. We have positive perspective. So you have, you have comforted us. You, and they repeat it twice. You have comforted us. So, uh, so that's, that's why I say Akiva was one of the happiest people around. To see in the bad, look further, look beyond the bad, and look for the good that's going to come out in the future. So Akiva had this perspective uh, that he could see beyond the immediate bad and look forward to the... So, this is an interesting uh, Midrash. So Midrash says, You put, you place happiness in my heart. Israel said, if the non-Jewish people who have seven mitzvot and they have peace and, and prosperity, we who have 613 mitzvot, how much more so we're going to get so much peace and prosperity? And this is what Rabbi Kiva was saying. <coughs> so even if you don't keep all seven, they can still have peace and prosperity. We're going to keep six, how do you keep 613? Even if you don't keep all 613, if you keep 100 or 200, it's the kind of mitzvot you're keeping. So it's a tremendous. Even the, sin, the sinners of Israel are full of mitzvot like a pomegranate. pomegranate. That's how we know it's not 613, because they're the sinners of Israel. They can't keep 613. <laughs> so it must be less than 613. There's all sorts of stories, you know, they counted the seeds of the pomegranate. Anyway. But uh, the whole idea of the story is that it's not 613. It shouldn't be. Why? Because they're the sinners of Israel. They keep it what like the pomegranate. So not keeping all 613. So interesting. So that's the positive idea, that there's no such thing as a Jew who's not full of mitzvot like a pomegranate. There's no such thing. Because there's so many different mitzvot. It's impossible not to do some of them. And a lot of them are just done by default. You know, all the negatives are done by default. You didn't rob the bank today. I didn't kill someone today. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't, do, yeah, I didn't do these things. It's an easy one. They're easy, right? Not so easy, but they're easy. So it's not so bad. It's easy to be, you know. A lot of them are negatives. Okay. So anyway, so let's move on to another story. Okay, so then he's, he's, he's 40 years old. He's 40 years old, he never learned Torah in his life. doesn't know even Alephet. He went to learn Alephet with his own son. He goes with his son to Yeshiva. He goes to the Cheder with his son. Can you imagine? Imagine, you have to have guts to be able to go sit next to your son in the school and start learning Alephet with your son. It's, he had humility, tremendous humility. And then eventually he gets more advanced, but he learns with tremendous... A poverty, because his father-in-law, who was this wealthy guy, Kalvas Abuas, was so wealthy, and he cut him off. He cut off his daughter because she married his, this ignorant shepherd. And, uh, but he could see the future. He was happy. Why? Because he could see he had faith in himself. He had faith in God. Eventually, everything's going to go well. I see if I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm going to get to a certain level. That he promises his wife. Look at it. He promises his wife. What an audacious promise. He says, eventually, I will buy you this jewelry, which is called Yushalayim Shil Zahav. Before the song. Yushalayim Shil Zahav, which is actually a shape of Yushalayim, Rabbi Rashi says, in the form of uh, tiara. 
So the outline of, of Jerusalem in gold. So it's called Yushalayim Shazahav. I'm going to buy you this, this uh, jewelry called Yushalayim Shazahav. Can you imagine? Here he is, this, this destitute pauper, promising his wife this tremendous promise. I'm, I will buy you this jewelry. So why? How could he promise her that? And the answer is he really had faith. He could see it now. It wasn't like he was living in the past. He's not like he's living in the present. He's living in his dream of future posterity. And that's why he was always laughing. He was always happy. Why? Because he was always living in, I know things are going to get better. I know things are going to get better. I know things will get better. <coughs> when he saw the water, it's a famous story. He was sitting by the spring, and he, he was thinking to himself, can I learn to write or not? I'm too old. I'm 40 years old. And he's seeing the drips of water on the rock, which made an impression on the rock. Everyone knows the story, fantastic story. Um, he really thought that time, don't worry, it's going to happen. The Torah is going to go into me. You know, he had no questions about it. He really believed that time that it's going to happen. And that's why he was always happy. He really believed. And that's why he says, Whatever God does is for the best. Everything God does is for the best. It may not look like it's good right now, but eventually God does it for the best. And that's, it says, the Shulchan Aruch brings down this halakha, that a person should always live their life and say these words always. Whatever God does for the best. Whatever God does for the best. Whatever God. So even when things are down, and that's, it's so hard to do, a person's sick. Whatever God does is for the best. Whatever God does for the best. Uh, a person lost some money. Whatever God does is for the best. A person is going to keep on saying to themselves. And that's the test. The test is, are you positive when you're down? It's very easy to be positive when you're up. It's very hard to be positive when it's down. So that's the test. The test is to be positive when it's down. And that is a proof a person has emunah and bitachon. And that's, that's really the key. So that was Rabbi Kiva. That's, that's how Rabbi Kiva stayed happy. Why? Because he, he was actually, his, his, his faith was so strong, he was living in the future. He was living in the good side. So right now, things are bad, but I'm not living in the now. I'm living in my future dreams, where I believe really it's going to happen. I believe that eventually the cities of Jerusalem will be rebuilt, and there'll be elderly people sitting in the squares of Yerushalayim. He's living it now in his mind's eye. He can see it now. Because he believed in that prophecy so, so well that he's seeing in his mind's eye. He's seeing the future prosperity of the Jewish people. If the, if the Rome is doing so well, so how much more so the Jews will have so well? So he's seeing it now. That's why he's happy. That's why he's laughing now. Okay, let's finish off with this last story. And this is a famous story. I'm sure you, you all know it, so I'm just repeating it. Uh, so that will be engraved in our, in our minds and we'll think a bit more often. He was walking to a certain place, but actually he had three things with him. What are the three things? Everyone knows the story. Go on, let's go. Three things. His rooster, his donkey, and his lantern. His rooster, his donkey, his lantern. And he's going to this place. And uh, what happens? Um, he goes, and it's, it's really getting late. It's, it's past dark. It's dark. And he knocks on the walls of the town, the door of the town. Let me in. Let me in. I'm Rabbi Akiva. Let me in. No, sorry. It's curfew time. We don't let anyone in after when it's dark. We just have to wait outside till till ne- till next till morning. Till morning, till morning. So what he does, he goes into the into the forest next door, and he says, "Call Ma David Rahmana, I'm going to sleep in the forest. Okay, whatever God does for the best." And what happens is the wind comes and blows out his lantern, pitch black. Whatever God does for the best. A fox comes and eats up his rooster. Whatever God does for the best. And a lion comes and eats up his donkey. So at night, he hears a tremendous noise. He doesn't want to hear screaming, shouting, fighting. He's in the forest. He's lucky he's in the forest. He's hiding in the forest, doesn't say a word. And now he's thinking, you know, thank God. He says, if they have seen my, uh, my light, they would have got me. 
If they'd have heard my rooster, they would have come looking for me. If they'd have heard the donkey, they would have caught me as well. And then he wakes up in the morning, he sees the Roman legions had come that night and taken all the people in the town as slaves. And think about how he was saved. Hashem saved him. Sometimes we're saved through bad things. Amazing. Think about it. The pogroms in Russia that caused the Jews to run away to come to America. Saved through bad things. Person saved through a bad thing. And we have to look at it and say, this is bad, but I can see the future. I can see the positive sides. <coughs> There's a tremendous future. So it's hard to see. And that's, that's the thing. That was the greatest Rabbi Kiva. So a person who wants to be happy has to have emunah, has to have bidachon. And not only that, but they have to also envision in their mind's eye the good things. And that's the power of the mind. Envision in the mind's eye the good things, the future that's going to happen because of this faith, because of their faith in God. Okay. Now we come to the opposite. And this is a, this is a, this is a sad story. Okay. <laughs> when Rabbi Eliezer um, was sick. Rabbi Eliezer is great. Rabbi Eliezer is sick. And the students went to see him. And he told them, Hashem is very angry in the world. They were all la- everyone was crying. Rabbi Kiva was laughing. And they said to him, why are you, why are you laughing? And he said to them, why are you crying? You know, he's, always, he's always asking the opposite questions. That's a Jewish answer. A Jewish answer is another question. Why are you crying? They said, here we see the Sevetura. Our Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer, is, is a walking Sevetura. He's, he's in pain. They're not going to cry? He said, that's why I'm laughing. I'm laughing because he's in pain. <laughs> Every time I saw my Rabbi... He had tremendously good luck. This Rabbi Lazar Azari was wealthy, very wealthy. His wine never got, became vinegar. He had such good luck. His wine never turned into vinegar. <laughs> In those days, they would store wine. And, you know, out of ten barrels of wine, one barrel would turn into vinegar. His wine never turned into vinegar. His flax, which they make linen from, never got dried out. His honey always stayed sweet. You know, sometimes honey goes bad as well. They never had vacuum packing in those days. <laughs> So I, I said to myself, maybe Hashem is giving him his reward in this world. He's not going to get Olam Abai. He's going to get all his reward in this world. Imagine, if everything goes so smoothly in life, a person's going to start worrying. Imagine, Rabbi Q is worrying. If everything goes smoothly in life, it's a sign that a person, it's, it's impossible. There must be something a person's going to be paid back for. So if he's not going to pay back for in this world, he's going to be paid back for in the next world. And therefore, I was worrying about him. When he was happy, having, having such joy and such uh, a good life, I was in pain. But now I see he's in pain. I'm happy. Such an upside-down world, right? He's in pain. I'm happy. Why am, why am I happy? I'm happy because I see he's going to get his next world reward as well. He's getting some suffering in this world. He must have done something wrong in this world. There's no such a person. We never did anything wrong. So he's happy when he sees it's the opposite. Exactly, completely opposite. Why? Because he sees that the suffering he's having is going to, is going to uh, clean the slate. He's going to have a great next world. Amazing. So that's, that's a very interesting perspective on happiness is how to get the, the alternate view, how to look at the other side of the story. But very important to always say these words, Gamzulatova, or whatever God does for the best, whatever Hashem does for the best, and Bezrat Hashem, it will, will turn to the best. And as, that's how we move from Yom HaZikaron to Yom HaZmohut. You know, we see all the loss of life. 23-odd thousand uh, soldiers gave their lives for Israel. But thank God we have, we have a, so we have to look at the bad side, but also the good side. 
and uh, comes with the Torah. Hashem, Hashem will make it last permanent, and every year will get better and better. The dream will get bigger and bigger. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.